listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 65 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hoeke, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Zan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest tonight, making his second triumphant return, is a storyteller from San Diego, California, living in Madison, Mississippi. He's an award-winning writer of comic books, short stories, short films, but spends most of his days still directing creatively as an ad man. James Ninnis, welcome back to Cinemental. Hey, am I the first one to hat trick? Yes. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. And you will probably be the first one to be on four times before we get anybody else three times. So I will do my best this episode to make you not want me back. <laughs> Why would you do that? Just let's just see how it goes. Let's just <laughs> just 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 to stave off boredom. <laughs> you, 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 you know, all you really have to do is just say, no, I don't want to come. All back of on. this is <laughs> all of this is because of how much you guys love crawl. And I just, I'm really it is, happy. It is. There you go. That Kroll was the seed that has blossomed in the relationship is, we have. Kroll is James, you only have greatness. To say, you only have to say three words, and you're going to say them at some point in this podcast. I guarantee it. So we'll just wait oh, for that hey. moment. Interesting. Uh, uh-huh. Something. Oh, what there. could that be? That's <laughs> a little. Latham's got the tarot cards out. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him. But uh, so let's uh, let's suffer from consumption. Uh, James, would you like to play? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've been, I, I, I'm all about the series lately. Uh, my kids and I are going through X-Files, which oh, is fun. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, tonight we watched... What's that's that? A, no, a, I warned him. I was like, home is going to... It's going to fuck you That's up. a wild ride of highs <laughs> and lows right there. We, You know, what we did today was... Uh, Lay, uh, is your season, mic on? Sorry, James. Is it on two, right now? Yeah, I can yeah, hear you yeah. now. I'm just sorry. Maybe, I'll, I'll just maybe move it. Just maybe move it a little closer to you on the table or whatever. Does this sound good now? No. Okay. You can't talk to it like that. Please do that the whole time. That'd be amazing. No, no, don't do that because I'm. Uh, gonna... We watched the one season two, the the one with the worm guy. Uh, ah. He's got the fucked up mouth and he yep. impregnates people. Yeah. Uh, and he hides. Yeah, fluke the fluke worm guy. He hides in the porta potty, and when he did that, I told my daughter to think about that the next time she had to poop. <laughs> Uh, so Luke we watched Man. that. We're also watching Sabrina, which is like True Blood, Diet True Blood. Yeah, yeah, um, it's good. It is good. It's fun. It's fun. It's a good family show. It's the last season, right? Are you watching Correct. the last season? Of we're on three. Season? We're we're on three, but four. Yeah, I. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the middle of. We just finished episode three point four. So yeah. we'll be we'll be finishing that up, uh, and then I watched season two of a Doom Patrol. And I'm finishing up Vikings, the last season on Amazon. Oh yeah, mm. Which, I fell uh, off of Vikings because of uh, for no for no 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 
fault of the show. I just fell off. And then there's been they because they keep breaking up the seasons mm-hmm. without really explaining why they're doing that. Um, I just kind of lost track of where I stopped. So I got to just probably watch the last two seasons all over again. It's 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 worth it. Um, I mean, it, it is ending very strong. And I guess Netflix is doing a prequel series. Netflix oh. got the rights to do a, a prequel series from the creators. <laughs> and so it's set like 200 because this is like the end. The show Vikings is the end of the golden age of Vikings. Right. right. That's the, the beginning of the end. This is the actual beginning of the golden age of Vikings. This oh, prequel that's wow. coming out. So this is when they start to get fucking crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and with Netflix, it's going to be, it'll probably be, they'll probably boot it up to Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings uh, quality yeah. uh, production kind of situation. Yeah. So that's, that's Not- what I'm watching, man. That's it. Those are, those are, other than that, it's just um, movies with the kids whenever they want to watch stuff. But right. Most of the shows. Well, uh, I Here didn't- we go. Here we go. Strap in, James. <laughs> I actually, I actually didn't watch that. I actually didn't watch that many. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually watch that many movies this week. I um, I watched a lot of a ton of uh, music documentaries. Uh, I just get I kept getting sucked and in, sucked into these music documentaries. But I'll run through the movies first. Um, uh, I watched uh, a Polish uh, crime movie on Netflix called "The Plagues of Breslau." Which uh, was which was actually pretty good. Um, it's kind of has uh, to be with that title, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it's interesting because it's uh, it's based on a historical premise. The the killer is doing these things based on a series of of quote unquote plagues that that happened in this uh, in the city of Breslau, uh, you know, two hundred years ago or something, or four hundred years ago, whatever in its history. Um, but uh, the way it's tied into the modern setting. And the reasoning behind the killings and whatnot uh, is really is pretty interesting. And uh, the woman who plays like the lead detective um, is one of just the the best, just straightforward, like no bullshit detective characters like I've I've seen portrayed in a long time. Like there's no there's no frills. It's just it's just like just no bullshit all the time. It's it's pretty cool. Um Sorry, go ahead. Is it in Polish? It is, yes. Ugh. So you got dubbed read, though. You got, it's dubbed, you got, right? No, you got to read it. Oh, forgot that. <coughs> oh, you know I what? Read, I don't. I, I honestly, I didn't look to see if it was dub. There was a dubbed version. I just read. It's it. on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It very well may be. Doesn't mean right. Doesn't mean it needs to be. But it, it very. That's the same thing with Lupin. That I. Right. That, that doesn't really advertise that it's in English. You have to go looking to see yeah. if they have a different dub. Right. Uh, I watched a a police procedural from the eighties that I missed somewhere along the line, uh, the January Man with uh, oh, Ke- oh, wow. Kevin Kevin oh, Klein and that movie rocks. Oh, really? I hate that movie. I thought oh, it was. I, I thought it was okay. That. It wasn't great. I just I just felt they rock. never. For as, as oh. interesting as they make. Jesus Christ. It's like at every level. Man. Yeah, right. like, I know, right? That movie rocks. It was okay. I hate that movie. They're like Statler and Waldorf over here. It was amazing. I paid money to see that in the theater. I, I really, I like Kevin Klein. I liked Kevin Klein. I yeah. like uh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, who you know was oh, yeah. fantastic in that film, and uh, and and the very young Alan Rickman. I was all right oh, with it. Alan Rickman playing a great, 
uh, friend, neighbor who, uh, you know, so he's not a bad guy. He's just a tertiary character. Susan Sarandon, Harvey Keitel. I mean, yeah. It's a great Danny, cast. Danny Aiello. Um, Danny Aiello. And the, and, the, and the end scene, not to not to spoil it, anything, the end scene takes place in my in my college. Oh, in that's funny. Building. That's yeah. funny. So that's... That's good. Um, I, uh, I finally watched the uh, the missing Jeremy Saulnier movie that I had not watched, Hold the Dark. Oh, that's on Netflix still. Oh, I yeah. Saw that. Yeah, I saw that movie. Woo. It's, yeah, it's so- a watch. It's there's again, there's no there's no joking around in that movie. It's, but, a, uh, it's, it's out there. It's good. I'll dark himself with each. Uh, I, I, I think you may be right with each successive film. I mean, he just gets darker and darker. Like there's it's the pedal to the metal with this guy. So, um, but I mean, but he's, succe- but he's successful, you know? Uh, yeah, I say decent. Um, I watched uh, special Bolton lay. Oh, God. So great. So great. I think the I was in that movie is so great. I was uh, I was about I was about I think two thirds of the way through it before I realized that I probably had watched it. I had seen it before. Yeah, because, probably when you were young on TV. Yeah, right. Because well, well, yeah, yeah, with that or on a replay. But I did. I remembered the ending because I. That's why I remembered the. I remembered the the big, you know, the big thing at the end. So it was a rarity for them to end. end oh yeah. The TV like that no absolutely nobody had tv movies like that that was great and uh and besides the uh the the uh the other two movies for the for the show tonight uh i also watched paycheck uh with ben ben affleck and aaron eckhart and uh and uma thurman which i had never seen where he was the he was the guy who reverse engineered uh that's a good question john woo Yes, there you go. Really, John I was Wooden on the Pedro. tail end of another big Ben Affleck film. And it's a Philip K. Dick short. Oh, is it really? Oh, that makes John sense. John Woo that, doing Philip K. Dick with Ben Affleck. That makes total sense, though, with that with that story yeah. content. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, it's. Pre- I mean, overall, it's pretty mediocre. I did like the conceits of the story where he gets the you know the bag of items and he has to try and figure out. That, you know, he's already seen all those instances happen, so he knows exactly what he needs. But now the thing is, is he has to count on the fact that he knows what item to use when as he moves through the story. You know, once you get once you once you allow yourself that it's 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 fine. It's 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 a John Woo action film from the 90s. It's it's empty headed entertainment. You know, it's pretty sure that came out right after he did The Town. I so love that a producer that came out like, after the town. No, yeah, no way. So. No way. No, Dang. I think it was before. Because Ben wasn't directing yet. All right, there was some other big Ben Affleck movie that that was two thousand three. Paycheck think, was two thousand three. You thinking of the accountant? No, because that no. wasn't a well received movie. There was a big just too bad because that's a great that... fucking movie. Okay. No. Um, yeah. Right. There was a producer that said, how do we portray the nuance of Philip K. Dick? Somebody called John Woo. (laughs) And I love John Woo, but I'm not sure. Right? I'm not sure John Woo is my Philip K. Dick guy. That's right. And then they were like, and who will star in this action movie with nuance? Someone called Ben Affleck. (laughs) Guys, Mr. Impossible was awesome. Who can we get to ruin ruin the sequel? We really need to make this happen. How do we, the trinity of, of clusterfuck, like all great people doing the wrong thing. 
<laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> as I said before, I watched a absolute shit ton of music documentaries. Um, Latham, you'll want to take note of some of these because you'll give a shit about some of these. Hassan will probably give a shit about some of these. I don't think, uh, uh, Paycheck 2003. Okay. And then what year was, but that uh, was after Jiggly and Daredevil. He had a bad run, guys. Yeah. Geely <laughs> and Daredevil. Yikes. Um, what was, uh, you know what? Then it might have. It might not have been Affleck. The it town. Been the Uma. town was like fourteen. Yeah, that was two twenty ten. Yeah, it wasn't twenty ten. Okay. okay. Twenty twelve was Argo. The town was twenty ten. Ah. I think. Um, I think I'm thinking. God, Argo about... was two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, dude! Holy I th- cow! I, I've never I, seen it. I think I'm thinking about Uma Thurman, and I think she just did uh, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that makes sense. And then she does. And then uh, she does. Uh, that sounds right the paycheck um, uh, okay i'm done talking oh, now oh don't be done talking <laughs> you're got you got to listen to the to the music documentaries that i watched um so i watched uh, a really good documentary um called the man in the camo jacket it's on amazon and it's uh it's basically mike peters story uh if you don't know who mike peters is he's the lead singer of the band the alarm and it is as he has been basically battling cancer uh, for almost 20 years now, uh, off and on, and he continues to. And he set up a foundation after uh, in, in one of the ter- in one of the periods when the alarm was uh, not not playing or he wasn't using the band's name. And it's it's a really great look at not only the early days of the alarm, but also his life since then, and just him and him in general. Uh, it's it's if you're if you've ever been a fan of the alarm. Uh, it's absolutely worth your time. I watched a really, again, a really good documentary on the Stone Roses called Made of Stone. That's on Amazon. Uh, that follows through up until it follows through. The whole thing is built around their big reunion show at Heaton Park in the UK, where they did this big outdoor event. And the whole thing basically kind of tells their story. Uh, and then the roller coaster that led up to like literally in the weeks before leading up to this huge event that was supposed to, you know, they did like a little, they did like a small warm up tour of like small, like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 person venues uh, just across Europe to warm up. And they were going to do this event that they had basically done a uh, big reunion show in Heaton Park and they had sold like 75,000 tickets for this thing. I mean, it was massive. And basically the second to the last show on the warm-up tour the drummer quit and went home and they were just like and the guy doing the guy who's promoting the, the event for the whole they're promoting this whole thing was just like there's an interview with him where he's just like i i i i, I don't know what's going on he goes this honestly might be my last interview for this and i i really i know he goes we've got three days before the show at heaton park and i and and and, and manny left he went home or renny yep. renny left and went home he goes, I, 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 I don't know what's happening. And it's really a guy, though. It's really a well, not in three, not in two days like that. Uh, it's been done. Oh, I'm but sure I mean, it has. Yeah, it'd be hard. It would be very um, hard. But I won't. I won't spoil the outcome. But no, um, no, no. I watched a, a, a really good one again on the Manic Street Preachers, which who I uh, literally knew almost nothing about. Um, what you don't like the documentary? Uh, the uh, the band. I knew literally nothing about them. Wow, there's so... what's the documentary called? Uh, it's called No Manifesto, and it's uh, all these are on Amazon. Um, 
says uh, uh, the first one's on Tubby. Uh, you have Tubby. Uh, to be, man, to be, <laughs> the oh, man with camo, camo chat. Yeah. It's on Amazon too. So, okay. Uh, and then uh, I watched a mediocre, a mediocre one about the replacements. Um, I watched again on Amazon a really great documentary on Colin James Hay on his life in in and out of Men at Work. Uh, you know, both you know during and after, uh, and his his life that is gone. Uh, only. Colin James Hay waiting for real life. Uh, I'll send you a list. Um, I watched the documentary on the damned. Uh, if you're not a fan of the damned, you won't dig it. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, again, a lot of great information about a band. I, I knew almost nothing about, um, but was a fan of back in the day. And um, I watched night stalker and I watched a documentary about, Williams Electronics, which would eventually become Bally Midway in Chicago, um, it's called Insert Coin, and it's basically the history of coin of the of the world of coin op and arcade games. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that was really good, and uh, you know, it follows it right up through the you know from basically Space Invaders up through the death of coin op. You know, in, in ninety whatever it was ninety three or whatever it was after. Uh, People stopped going out to arcades. It was funny. The reasoning behind it was really strange. Um, and it wasn't something, it wasn't like something as, you know, as obvious as the, as the as console gaming platform. It was um, the guy in the, con- in the documentary said it was actually like a, it was like an actual like world event. Like it was like, not like the death of princess Diana, but it was something along those lines that basically that, that people just like stopped going out to arcades. And all that, that's that, that's when they turned a corner and people just, and I don't know if it was a timing thing. Uh, he didn't really explain as to why he felt that this was, but he basically, he's like, this was the mark in history where he basically draw the line and said, from this point, from this point forward and this point backward, you see a marked difference in, you know, not only our sales or whatnot, but like, you know, and he talks about the different teams developing games for Midway and like, um, you know, the guys who put together Mortal Kombat and, uh, you know, because they were the first ones. Midway was the first ones to do that, uh, that motion capture thing. And that's why I like that. Those first arcade games, they were the ones who, you know, had that. And like, I can't remember the first the first game they did it for was uh, was T2. And they had done because they had done they had done some bits and pieces for other games. But T2 was one of the first ones like they, they were literally they went to meet with James Cameron because they had sold the license. And and so they went to meet with them before they were going to do the filming. And Cameron was like all over the technology. He thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's just like he's like, you guys have access. He's like, give these guys whatever they want. Give these guys whatever they need. He's like, so the guy, the mocap guys and the guys who are shooting, shooting footage for the game were on set shooting stuff like at the same time the Cameron was like shooting footage for the film. So they were like being able to shoot like against like movie backgrounds and everything. So everything would match up perfectly because they were literally there shooting their stuff at the same time. And then, you know, they went back after Cameron got done, he went back and post did, you know, did the rest of the movie and it came out. And then the game came out in like, I want to say fall that year, like October, November, they got done digitizing everything and animating everything, but uh, just, just an unreal level of access. So. And what's the name of that one? Insert coin. 
But yeah, I've just been. Uh, oh, another one I forgot. Uh, the public image is rotten. The story of Public Image Limited with uh, with John Lydon, uh, and it is jam oh, it is jam packed with one on one interviews with him and him and his life and the way it's been. Uh, just amazing, and how ba- and 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 it basically gives full fully gives the reason why uh, he basically disappeared uh, in the in the early nineties after those couple albums came out uh, after ha- happy and nine, I think it was. And, uh, and then he, they, you know, pill just kind of seemed to fade away. But uh, so the story well, he is, felt he was, he felt he was cheated. No, the story is actually, it's very funny. You know, early on in his life, he, uh, he had made the decision to not have children because he said, if I was going to be a dad, I wasn't going to be one of these guys who was here and there. He's like, I was going to be here. And he's like, and I was still doing band stuff. And basically what happened is his, uh, his wife's daughter uh, ended up having two kids and she was a singer in a band and she couldn't handle them. And they got to age like two or three or something like that, maybe four. And she just like, I can't, I can't do anything with these kids. I can't, I can't handle, I can't raise them. And so John Lydon and his wife took them in and he basically just focused his life on raising these two kids. And that's why he disappeared. I like out of like the public public view for like 10 or 12 years. And uh, the mother ended up ODing and dying a few years later. And, you know, it was just, it was just him and his, his wife that, that raised these children. And, you know, now he's back to, it's hysterical though because he's still the exact same guy. He softened ever so slightly, but he's so funny. I mean, if you've ever seen interviews with him, I mean, he's yeah, the, that's what I was making fun of. He's still the exact same guy, and like I can't even imagine like you know like getting up in the morning and him asking you what you want for breakfast. I mean, but it's just like the funniest thing to think about. Um, but this movie just, I mean, it, it's a really great story of you know a public image and everything he did with them. And then and then this like bit at the end where it's basically just him and his home life. And it's just it's all really, really great, like one on one interview footage. It's it's really good stuff. Um, And it's just called The Public Image is Rotten. And it's uh, it's great. It's, you know, all this. It's so funny to watch. And it's and literally in every single one of these documentaries, because it's. um, It's uh, it's another one of those situations where. Every single band in their early days basically all said, we heard the Sex Pistols and decided we want to be a band. Like literally almost to a to a documentary, like every single one of these bands was a role like, yeah, we were, you know, doing whatever. And we heard the Sex Pistols and and the Clash. And we said we need to be in a band. And that was like the trigger for like an entire generation of of bands that we know and love. And it's, and it's it's kind of amazing uh, to, if you to think about to think about what the Sex Pistols were and no matter how well or how little regard you have for them and their music and their playing and everything else, their impact. I, I'm not sure their impact can ever truly be measured. Well, well I don't know <laughs> them or the Ramones. There's a bunch of uh, yeah. Like, I think the Sex Pistols are overrated, personally. I, not as a band, I I think you're correct. I mean, their impact isn't, but the punk scene that they were part of 
they were, you know, they were, they were part of a scene that was, that had many bands that were just as impactful as they were, and probably more bands that were more musically impactful than they were. Yeah, but so to me, it's not, a, not all of them had a bass player who was a murderer. Um, the clash had a drummer who was a murderer. Yes. Well, that's, that's why we still know the clash and the sex pistols over the I don't slits think or, you know, a number I of other. I, I appreciate a lot of the other bands from that era more than them. Uh, so I think that's the surface level um, assessment of the punk scene by okay. saying, oh, I mean, the clash. Yeah, that's one, one other thing I found uh, and this will interest Hassan probably more than anybody um i found a and i I texted you i think about this but i found a series uh that was put together back in 2016 by ernie ball strings uh and it's a it's a web series or i don't know if it's web series or they originally produced it as an as a as a television thing somewhere or whatever but anyway i found there's a few of them on youtube um and basically it's called the pursuit of tone and they focus on one particular guitar player for the whole segment um, I watched two of them uh, and because I was fascinated and because they're two guys who I really, really like. The first one being Billy Duffy from the cult. Uh, the second being Mike Ness from Social Distortion. Uh, and there's another longer one with uh, it's like, I think, almost two hours long. I uh, see a couple of them. There's Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy, that's the one. Yeah, it's like an hour and fifty-five. All the other two are like an hour long. And they don't. They don't get. A, they don't get a lot into Mike Ness more than Billy Duffy talked a little bit about his strings, but they don't. They don't get into the weeds talking about guitar strings. You know, which is which is nice for because it's like for the for the average view. Well, I understand, <laughs> but for the average viewer um, coming in, and I don't. I didn't look through it enough to see if there were any bass players involved. Um, probably not but um because i'll watch anything about billy duffy i think billy duffy is one of the great underrated guitarists of our time uh and not only that but in his in because he's just a little bit older than a lot of the other guys who came out of the uk music scene and so he was especially in the manchester area he was one of the guys who uh he was in a band very early on with morrissey uh called the nosebleeds and he ended up teaching johnny marr his first chords and got johnny and got johnny marr into guitar there was a there was a really great uh family tree style thing that was uh printed and it was published in one of the music magazines decades ago. I, and I had it for years and I finally lost it. But it's a really cool family tree, all based around the cult and all the all the different people that they had an influence on over the years and people who they either had direct connections to, you know, like their their bass player, Jamie Stewart, played with uh, with Andrew Eldritch and Sisters of Mercy for a while. So there's a connection back into sort of that goth scene. I saw a really great interview with with Ian Asbury and Billy Duffy this week where where basically Ian Asbury says that he invented the term goths because basically it was a joke. Um, There was a band in 1983 in England called the Sex Gang Children. And 
the lead <laughs> yes great name so the lead singer of that band called himself count visigoth so <laughs> so so ian asbury used to jokingly call all this guy's fans the goths and they all were that you know they were the first early adopters of that all black dress a lot of hairspray makeup blah 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 and the guy who now who basically lays claim to the you know the first like music writer guy who you know calls he's like he's like he thinks that that's probably where it came from because they used to joke him and billy used to jokingly call all the guys that followed sex gang children the goths because it was because it was funny to them and it just became this thing that stuck so it was it was a really funny story <laughs> but anyway so yeah, I uh, I'm, I I I I went down a couple of rabbit holes musically this week. Uh, one of them being the cult, and the other one being uh, again Jesus Jones. To the point with Jesus Jones that I I jumped onto eBay and uh, picked up a few super rare uh, CD singles that contain uh, singles that had never been uh, 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 B side tracks that had never been released anywhere else. So hey, um, would you would you say you feel real, Steve? Um, so I'd like to know. I, me too. Uh, the singles I picked up lay were a um, it's the there's a uh, the second UK release of right here right now contains a remix of Info Frico called Info Psycho. Yeah. Uh, and it's only it. av- it's only available on one single. Uh, and then over the years, I've lost my physical copy of the original uh, right here right now which has um, damn good at damn good at this, which oh, yeah. is, which is my, which is my all time favorite B side. My Well, I know that's my all time favorite Jesus Jones song. Even better. So anyway, uh, and I think we've suffered enough. My favorite part about the beginning of that was when Hassan said, buckle up James and Steve replied <laughs> with, I don't have much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then he, he read off so many documentaries whole, that he forgot that he stopped naming them. The <laughs> whole time he's talking, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, what does it sound like when he has a lot? <laughs> How long does this show go when Steve's had a busy week? <laughs> well, last week it was, last week I think it was what, Hassan, what, 21 films? And, yeah, it was, uh, a, it was and, extensive. Uh, and before that was 17 films? I Buckle think. up, James. No, no, I don't have a lot. <laughs> Okay. 30 minutes later. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was awesome. Oh, look, the sun's coming up. <laughs> so, <clears throat> for James's, uh, if you want to call it a guilty pleasure, you can't. But uh, Good movie we're going to talk you, about. If you want to talk about his, uh, his second choice, his, his, his tie-in film, so to speak, Tango and Cash. I'll tell you one thing. Whoever set us up is really connected. Meet Ray Tango. He likes money. Easy come, easy go, but doesn't bother with cash. Meet Gabe Cash. He won't dance around trouble and doesn't mind stepping on toes. I hate you karate guys. Two of LA's top rival cops are having a good time staying in rhythm. You know me, yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in LA. That's funny. I hear the same thing about you. But they're going to have to work together, even if it kills them. Like now! We'll take it. No, that's one of a kind. We won't put a scratch on it. Sylvester Stallone. 
and Kurt Russell. <laughs> Tango and Cash. From 1989, directed by Andre Konchalovsky, with a running time of 104 minutes. Two super cops in L.A. who work different sides of the city get set up by the local mob boss so well that they eventually go to jail. After several rounds of torture, fights, corruption, and betrayal, they escape and team up to take down the mob boss who framed them. James, Tango and Cash. So the 80s and 90s was just a hellscape for cop movies. I mean, it was... Literally some of them. It was so bad, guys. I mean, Steven Seagal's, Chuck Norris's, uh, your, your Van Damme's. And everyone has that that one movie they saw when they were young, and they're like, oh, man, that's the one, though. I have a, I have a soft spot <laughs> for that one. Uh, for me, I was a harder sell. I needed two action stars in mine. <laughs> two. Uh, I needed Jack Burton and Rambo <laughs> together fighting the menace of uh, Jack Palance, who does nothing but stay in his house the entire movie. But he has rats, so he's ominous as fuck. Uh, yeah, and this movie, I, I cannot, I've seen this movie probably 20 times. And every single time I think to Holy myself, cow. I don't know why I keep watching this movie. <laughs> and it ends and I go, that movie was fucking awesome. That was a great fucking movie. Every time I finish it, I'm like, that was amazing. <laughs> and every time I'm like, while I'm watching it, I'm like, this is, I don't know why I'm watching this. But it's over and I'm in love again. And I think most of it has to do with Kurt Russell because he's made of charisma. Uh, and Sylvester Stallone is everyone's favorite uncle who doesn't seem like he's quite in on the jokes. And, <laughs> wow. and that's okay. And that's why, plus it's just a great fucking name. Tango and Cash, guys. Tango uh, and Cash. You, you are, uh, your, your thought process on this is uh, frighteningly astute. Uh, when, when it when it comes to your description of of the why, I have never seen this. I had I, oh, I had really? I, this was a first viewing for me again. Lucky devil. And what are the, <laughs> the guest picks two movies Steve oh, has seen in the same week. That's you only get to have lottery. your first time. Your first time. That's right. I'm so excited. <clears throat> I got to give you two this week. That's you wonder what, how he misses any movies with all the movies he blows through right. for his for his consumption. There's, there are still plenty of holes, plenty of holes to fill Buckle in. Buckle in, James. Uh, and this is a and this is a film. Well, this is a film. Honestly, if if someone hadn't have picked this, I never would have watched this. Are you kidding me? This film is you know people consider this honestly to be a joke. I, I think James will agree with me. I mean, there's no there's not shame in that. I mean, yeah. Where do, where do you start? It's a Rambo's it, a pussy. It's right a there. it's a late '80s cop buddy movie that is somewhere between serious. You know, it's almost like, and I'm not going to compare it to Beverly Hills Cop Two. No, but when you compare no. Beverly, no, when you compare Beverly Hills Cop Two to Beverly Hills Cop One. There is a marked difference in the amount of serious storytelling and just general tone. It's much. It's a much darker film when it when it when it's when it's serious. The I second feel, one, you mean? The yes. Second one to, yes. Okay. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Well, that's Tony Scott. Yes. So exactly. Would, yeah. Yes. So now, this movie clearly not on the level of Beverly Hills Cop Two, but 
it's got that thing where it's trying to create that balance of dark, serious shenanigans along with the cop buddy comedy formula with two guys who are, as James says, literally at this point in their careers, you know, you've got a whole slew of people who will just go to the film simply because these two guys, either of these two guys would have been in it. But the fact that they're both in this, I mean, come on, you think you got a no brainer here. Now the rules obviously would dictate that going into this, you would think, especially with our adult now brains looking at this and going, of course, there's no way this can be good because you put these two guys together in a movie and it's just, there's never, you're never going to find the right balance. And I think the movie in and of itself never finds the right balance, but I think that there's a reason for that. Uh, I looked all over today and I tried to find a copy of Randy Feldman's original script, which was called the setup, which is what this film was originally based on. Now, that being said, there are a full handful of screenwriters who worked on this script and then refused to be credited because <laughs> the final project, the final product was so was so outside of acceptable. They're like, you know what? Don't 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 even bother crediting me as a writer on this. Jeffrey Bohm is one of them. And, you know, wow. who wrote who worked on the first two Lethal Weapon films. I and inner space, you know, the, you know, this is a guy who's brought into as a, as a doctor, you know, and he re, and, and not only that, but Stallone was as he was in a lot of films in his career in the 80s. He was behind the scenes, pulling strings, rewriting script, you know, Stallone is a fairly accomplished screenwriter. And so he was rewriting scenes and, you know, and well, he well, I mean, he, he wrote Rocky. What did he do after that? Oh, OK. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, that's not, you know, I mean, he wrote drive, right? What was that race car movie that he did? Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that one. Even All the right, director, well, Andre Kontolovsky, was fired just before the final, uh, the final shooting days of this film because of his, wow. his not getting along with both the studio and Stallone. So there he, were four directors, right? Well, well, you had, you had Kontolovsky, who did the majority of principal photography and then you had another guy they brought in and then you had Stallone and then you also had the first AD who was doing a lot of background shooting so I mean technically there were probably four guys who working who were directing or worked on this film you know most directly no pun intended um the Wait, other thing he also did Saturday Night Live believe it or the, not he wrote that the other it's <laughs> not a joke the other thing the other thing uh, about this movie was uh, they fired the editor twice and Warner Brothers who was in who was the it was the only thing that Stallone didn't have any say over on the on the film was final cut and so Warner Brothers brought in their go-to editor Stuart Baird uh, at the 11th hour to put a cut together of this movie literally up until the week that they needed to actually ship prints of this to movie theaters Stuart Baird was still editing stuff together because he was putting stuff together, throwing dailies to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers is like, nope, nope, nope. And it just I, you know, at the end of the day, I would love to get my hands on the reason Jack Palance took this gig 
was the fact that he had these three, he said, really great scenes with Stallone's character. And he was really looking forward to working with him. At the end of the day, those scenes were completely stripped out of the script and he never even <laughs> saw him on say on set. He never worked with him. Wow. He never, he was never even in the same place as him during the entire shoot of this film. Pounce to Pounce notoriously bad this film on Jimmy Kimmel live uh, when it That's when right. came out. Uh, and just was, and, and just was like, I signed on to an entirely different movie. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, uh, Hassan, tell, talk to me about your experience with Tango and Cash. There is an oddly numerous amount of bad gay jokes in this film. <laughs> like, like lots of them. Like, it's a weird homoerotic you know, film yes. without actually being homoerotic. It's and, and, and an extended shower scene. But they're and really focused not, on dicks. It's we're 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 <laughs> we are bordering on like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two territory, you know, like in <laughs> in the sense of what is the obsession with it? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of will you marry me? There's a lot of you know there's is that a there's, proposal? Yeah, yeah. There's strange, and it's to the point where I I noticed it just off a glance. I'm like, oh, that's number ten in in under twenty minutes. That's odd. <laughs> It's a very 80s movie, even though it's at the tail end of the 80s. It's like the last action, you know, buddy cop movie of that era. You know, it's a it's it's almost a satire of the 80s movies in its own way, um, even though it takes itself way too seriously to be a satire. Here's a fun fact. The the bomb that, that had 11 minutes, it goes off five minutes and 30 seconds too soon. Because I timed it. <laughs> oh, it, did, it didn't run yeah. in real time. It yeah. did that too? <laughs> I, I love the fact that you guys do stuff like this now, by the way. I'm, just, I'm like, <laughs> I didn't do interesting. it. You know why? Because they said they had 11 minutes and they, they, they you know, they, they went through a number of like intricate fight scenes after that. Yes. So I'm like this. They must have burned through that time already. And so I went back and, you know, like a, like a nerd, you know, got to be me. Uh, I went back and I timed it. And I'm like, no, they still got plenty of time. These guys could have lunch if they wanted to. It's Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. <laughs> they don't need 11 minutes. <laughs> They're know, fucking fine. Time has no but, meaning in genuine cash. If yeah. they were relying on that clock, they would have died. Because <laughs> that bomb went off five minutes and 30 seconds too soon. It was not 11 minutes on that. I like that they blew up Brian Jones, James. With a really awful accent. Yes. You hear about that? Really? You read yes. that accent? Okay, he, he did that as a joke. Yes. And Sylvester Stallone loved that it was so bad. They yep. asked him to keep it the whole movie. <laughs> and they, they made his part larger. Yeah, they gave him more scenes because yes. of that. Well, how can you give Brian James a smaller part, though? By then, he's a god. He's like the He's like the... The all character actor villain god. The king of all the of the character actors are in this movie. Yes. Yes. Every yes. every B, every side character is a mm-hmm. character you've seen James, a bajillion times. Mark Even Ron Howard's little yep. Howard's in it. Yeah. Slinky? I mean, come on. Yeah. Clint Howard. Clint Howard. Clint That's Howard. Right. Uh, what about the guy with the magnifying glass who played uh Mixus Pitalik and Lois and Clark? You mean yes. Q? Yes. Oh, Q, and yes. uh Lewis Tan's dad, Philip Tan. Yep. There's a there's a weird thing in the film where it hangs a lantern on on Perret, whatever however you pronounce that guy, Jack Palance, isn't that Perret? 
It hangs a lantern on the fact that he keeps refusing to kill Tango and Cash to the point where his henchmen are pissed off at him. And it doesn't turn out to be a strategic move by any stretch of the imagination because these guys do exactly what the henchmen say these guys are going to do. They're going to fuck everything up. And they literally come in and fuck everything up at the very end. In fact, it was this elaborate way to get them all, to get them arrested so that they could have them in prison so that they could show up in the prison to make sure that they die in some weird, terrible arena sport kind of circumstance. Here's what's, wow. crazy about it. Here's what's crazy about it is, again, I've seen this movie 20 times and every yeah. single time Jack Balance tells me the plan, I think it might work. <laughs> I'm surprised every single time that Jack Balance was wrong. Just to show you how corrupted I've been uh, become from the 80s movies and that, that, that genre, I, I expected every scene with him and those rats to him to feed those rats to a giant snake. I'm like, where's the snake? I don't understand. Was, is the snake at the end of the maze? Well, What's the, I love the, whole, the whole scene at the beginning where he's telling the whole plan. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and he's got he's playing with the two rats. Aren't they lovely? He's like, I'm just going to shove them in this bar top maze I've created. And yet not really show them analogically no, speaking an outcome to it. But I'm just putting them into the maze now. I want a another... ringtone of Jack Pound's breathing. <laughs> it is, yes. In another I want my ringtone to be Jack Pound's just breathing. In another scene, one of his henchmen one of his henchmen brings him the box with the two rats in it simply to calm him down. He's like, Here's your two rats. You know, <laughs> while he's he's freaking out about something else. He's like, Hey, d- here's Take your easy. rats. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have another incident. Take the rats. Just like you asked. Here's your rats. Um, it's a uh, oof. I'm a little upset that nobody has brought up uh, Terry Hatcher. I was about to say the bottom of my notes is but young Terry Hatcher. That's that's <laughs> that was the end. That's the bottom of my my Ooh, commentary. Young Terry Hatcher in that dance. I was like, and the motorcycle with the leather, and then the massage. I mean. That might be why I love this movie. I don't know, maybe. And the reason Terry Hatcher was cast, because she was actually a recast for that role, is because originally in the script, the character was a stepsister or an adopted sister and didn't need to look like Stallone or even look Italian. And once they made her a direct sister, they're like, ah, we need to get someone who looks more Italian. And they got Terry Hatcher. Thank God. I mean... Thank God. They're sliding down power lines. It doesn't matter what she looks like. <laughs> Whatever the reason you need to hire young Terry Hatcher, Fair it's enough. a good reason. Fair it's enough. a good reason. Yeah, it doesn't really explain to you how either Tango or Cash got out of their cells. Fuck getting out of the prison. If you can't just slide those cell doors open and, just, and, and then crawl into the air ducts whenever you want, that's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty... It's a pretty shitty prison. <laughs> Which, by the way, can we talk about Face? The guy who gets elected, the guy with the enormous face? Robert Zadar. Zadar, yeah, Robert. Maniac Cop. He is a he is a gem. I haven't seen yeah. Maniac Cop. I will remedy that because I've I've had nightmares well, about that. There's not a lot of my whole life. There's not a lot of acting from Zadar in Maniac Cop. No, just to no. warn you, or his jaw. <laughs> he he or... is just scenery. He Does is his literally face scenery. Look the way it looked in this movie. Yes, that's oh, his, oh, face. Yeah. That's his face. That's his face. It only gets bigger as he gets older. It's amazing. Yeah, he died recently from it. Yes. Right? Yeah, he yeah, Wait, did he, was it like a was it like a, a condition? Yes. Yes. 
I thought that was just the way his head was structured. I didn't realize that was an actual... No, it was an actual thing that kept getting larger. So when you, by the time he passed away, only a couple, three, four years ago, um, maybe even as few as two. Oh, my God. Uh, what is that? I've never heard of that. I, 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 if you look him up on IMDb, it'll explain what it is. But, I will. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. We always just called him the Jaw, but yeah, Robert Zadar was. Uh, yeah. Every time you, I mean, you you never didn't know that guy uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, there's that guy with the jaw. Yeah. But another, yeah, he was he was great. Another when classic yells, henchman. Come here, come here. I want to <laughs> yeah. talk to you. Yeah. yeah. I am yeah. so terrified of him in that moment. I'm like, I'm not going near him. <laughs> yeah, but he's doing the full Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Come here. <laughs> but that guy scares me. More than Zadar ever scared me. Yeah. Patrick Roach from Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. That guy, I've had nightmares about that guy. Hey, <laughs> come here. Like he's a lunch guy at my school. Come here. <laughs> Time for chicken. Come here. Here. Come uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's a, look, uh, it's anytime, not a good movie. Anytime. I don't, I don't, yeah, now you're talking about, uh, yeah, now you're talking about Bill Duke, who's scarier than everybody. <laughs> scarier still. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um it's not a great movie but i i wrote this a light it's lighthearted and fun it's absurd it's got razor thin cartoon like uh logic and no excuse me razor thin logic and plots and cartoon violence um but it's i'm not gonna lie it's, it was fun it was so bad. It was fun. I'm like, this is yes. okay. This is good. Once you get past the the like, like I said about when we were talking about uh, whatever the movie was uh, last week, uh, we are so indelibly, you know, um, or inextricably caught up in the era that we're living in. We can't really go back. It's hard and and experience these movies as they were from the '80s. So mm-hmm. all I could sit there and go, "Wow, that's another gay joke," you know, instead of like. <laughs> laughing at it you know right i'm just i can't get away from the fact that wow we would never these these jokes would never fly today my daughter watched it with me and looked at me every single time (laughs) she looked at me every single time there was a gay joke like you were a real son of a bitch dad (laughs) like the disappointment in my daughter's face every time a gay joke was made she looked at me like like the hero was gone (laughs) and i'm gone right i'm gone forever Wow. I can't believe you love this. What are you? <laughs> I, I tried. I said, baby, there was a time. I know this makes me bad, but that was funny. And, and it's I, a I, time capsule. I realize it's wrong now, and I feel bad about that. But I can't change the movie. Uh, and she's right. just like, I can't believe you. And I was like, I can't believe me either. Right now, I don't know. What to tell you. <laughs> it's, it's a like time the, capsule. Which, the by the way, Michael Jeter, Michael Jeter, Michael yeah. Jeter, who was the radio guy. Was mm-hmm. a very outspoken. Uh, yeah, he's very gay. Yeah, um, he's since passed too. By the way, all the B characters. He was fantastic in Open Range. That was my he's favorite movie that he was ever in. Michael G- Waterworld. Uh, yeah, uh, that too. Yeah, he was great in everything. But um, he's he always this never she wormy guy. But you know, because of, of the, his voice and his all of the characters actors in this movie played these same characters in every <laughs> movie they've ever been in. Yes, all of them. Yes. All of, with the exception of Brian James, who's the kicker. Well, yes. Who is, yes. He's who still is, playing the same guy, just with a bad accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, nobody's stretching in this movie. Except for um, the Fifth Element. It's the only time I remember seeing Brian James as a hero. Like, I was a, as yeah. a good guy, as a oh, protagonist. Yeah. There you go. Oh, 48 um, hours. 48 hours. 
No, if you see another forty-eight hours, it reveals that's that true, Brian James true, true. is I, a bad guy. He's I like the to Ice pretend Man. the second one doesn't exist. I just yeah. watched the first one. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's Fair a enough. hero in Blade Runner. If you root for the replicant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After the second one, you kind of do. Latham, perhaps you'd like to uh, <laughs> yeah. discuss Tango and Cash. I remember I told you there were three words that were going to bother me. Podcast and those three words were Tango and Cash. Um, there are very few movies that make me angry. I don't know. You've seen a few of them in the last six weeks. Yeah. On the show. This one, this one, I had to look up when I saw it in the theater, and I saw it December twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine. I thought you went with me, Davey, but you didn't because you said you never saw it. So nope. that checks out. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I just wrote in my journal, I wrote whatever. It was released on December 22nd, so that makes sense. Yeah, it was was released around Christmas, which is just another anomaly from the (laughs) Well, like Eyes Wide Shut, it's obviously a Christmas movie. Oh, I mean, um, (laughs) I don't, uh, this movie starts off bad and plateaus (laughs) there. And then, like, with, I don't know, an hour left, it just starts going downhill. And the last half hour of this movie, I just, I I, I kept wanting to punch Stallone and Russell in the face. They should have amazing chemistry in this movie, and they have nothing. They have no chemistry. The lines are bad. I don't think I laughed more than once. I think... Kurt Russell yelled something once and I went, ah, and that's like the only time from watching the movie that, that I enjoyed myself. I mean, I, I, I can't understand how you can't figure out how to make this work, you know, outside of some people who enjoy seeing it 30 or 50 times or whatever. Okay. I just <laughs> don't get that was, that was a dig, James, in case oh, you missed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, James are longtime buddies now. He's been uh, on the show yeah, like yeah. times. So, you know, I I'm allowing like, Latham to be incorrect. It's a, let him have yeah, his yeah, time. Exactly. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> That's fair. That's a great description of what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, this is the guy who directed this directed Runaway Train, which is just a brilliant movie. Just a I know. brilliant movie. That's so good. And then, there's this and then i i didn't even know he got fired and someone whatever he got replaced at the end i read that just in a blurb like while we were doing the podcast but i it it just it's i i look i think stallone is not given a fair shake at times like steve said he's not a bad writer he wrote rocky he's you know he's 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 not a dumb dude he plays a lot of dumb characters or you know just brutish guys and but i don't think he's that bad of an actor and in this i don't even think he's that bad kurt russell's not bad either but i think kurt russell has like zero range he plays the same character every fucking movie and he plays the same character in this movie and hey you're talking about snake plissken i am (laughs) i'm talking about that dude okay (laughs) let me ask you let me ask you a question what is your favorite food just one just go Favorite food? Your favorite food. Um, pizza? 
Okay. Is there a place you like your pizza from? I imagine if I said get your favorite pizza slice, you would have a particular place and flavor in mind. Places. Yeah. yeah I like so it. why would you fuck with that? He's got it going on perfect oh, yeah. every I, fucking time. Why I would he change his you. character? You don't like need you, to when you are him. When you are Kurt Russell, you can only play one role. And that's well, perfection. he's dripping with charisma. That's I mean, goddamn right. Look at him and look at those eyes and that hair. And yeah, he's he, he doesn't change his hair in forty fucking years because he doesn't have to. He he, he doesn't he, he he doesn't he doesn't even have to try. No, the, the problem here is the screenwriter needed to try, and he it, you know I don't know what happened, but. Every line falls flat. The gay jokes are just terrible. You know. <laughs> I'm laughing because the way you said it, like, I wish the gay jokes were good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I would agree, jokes, though. I if they laugh were... at them, okay? I want good homo bashing, all right? <laughs> yeah. This was if they were funny. Okay? <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I'm, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I thought maybe I had seen it in 1989 and was just some 19-year-old kid who had no clue about what good movies were. And then I read my journal and I was like, wow, man, you were right way back then. You were right. It's just awful. It's so awful. I will, I will never watch it again. I, I guess I'm glad James made us watch it. Uh, <laughs> Why is that? Because I like seeing things. He forgot how to dry heave like until that. now, and now, he's, now he remembers yeah. what I it's like. like. No, I like validation. I like seeing me, 19-year-old <laughs> me, write whatever script and then watch <laughs> the day and, and saying, wow, dude, you were right back then. Oh, uh, wow, whatever script. <laughs> yeah, I was like calling the script. I'm like, whatever with this script. This script sucks. And then, you know, we saw, like, uh, the next day we saw Born on the Fourth of July. And I was like, oh, man, dude, yeah, that's well, fucking come awesome. On. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I can see how it's a guilty pleasure. Um, but uh, it would be more that you're guilty of having pleasure from it. <laughs> so. Oof. Oh, damn. Somebody put James out. Damn. Either right now I'm solidifying James for his fourth appearance or he never comes on the show again. I hope he comes on again because obviously half of this is in jest. You know, we all like what we like. I just, I really don't like this movie and I love good action buddy movies. When Steve said Beverly Hills Cop, I just started like, crumpling like aluminum foil like don't compare it to that film don't do that <laughs> i'm done i uh, think that we remember buddy cop movies more fondly uh than a lot of them actually are i think a few are, oh, yeah. are, are gold standards i think for sure Beverly yeah. Hills cop is is just a great movie i don't think it has anything to do with being it's not really a buddy anything accidentally great movie according yeah, to Martin like, Press. but another but 48 hours when you that think about nominated up for best screenplay beverly hills cop did that's a, yeah that's a but when you start thinking about act general b action movies from the 80s and 90s um i don't even think this is one of the best i think they're all kind of the same and they all kind of do the same shit and I think this was a really good representation of all the sameness that was out there. And the reason I find it a guilty pleasure is uh, I just really love Kurt Russell. Right on. 
Well, some uh, some interesting tidbits. Uh, so this, as I said, this production was beset with problems from the start. The intended star of this and originally cast as Gabriel Cash, Patrick Swayze, uh, oh. dropped out to make Roadhouse. Much too good move. Good much, move. Much, much too much. Russell to, could have been in Roadhouse. They have the same fucking hair. <laughs> Whoa, dude! Don't talk about Swayze like that. Like, look, I'll let you back. Don't, my man Swayze was great. So, Roadhouse. Principal photography began without a completed script. Uh, Sylvester <laughs> Sylvester Stallone had the original had the original the original director of photography fired. Yeah, dude, I know who that. Yes, yes, yes. Whose name was Barry Sonnenfeld? <laughs> oh yeah, I had no talent. Uh, after that, is, is there a reason why he did that? Uh, than... They did not like the way he was lighting things. They felt that the whole thing was too dark. Wow. Tango and Cash wasn't being lit correctly. That's what you're going to tell. You think wow. Barry Sonnenfeld looks back and goes, man. That's the bullet there. I really missed out on that Tango and Cash. Moment. Glad that one's not on my IMDb. <laughs> Steve, can I, can I add really quick one thing that incensed me too? Sure. And, you know, I'm no, I'm no stranger to, you know, liking watching Terry Hatcher dance or, you know, putting good looking girls in movies or whatever. But that absolutely needless, topless scene of the people in the car having sex mm-hmm. in the garage mm-hmm. was so badly. That's so 80s. Gratuitous and just useless. And I was just like, oh, God, here we fucking go. Okay. I'm with Hassan though. That felt ex- that, that felt very of the time for me. Like we, did, somewhere yeah. that where are the boobs. Oh, well, it was so are. funny because okay. it's so Check. funny because like you're like, Check. well, this movie's got Stallone and Kurt Russell in it, mm-hmm. with no other you know other than Terry Hatcher. But you know, at that point, we probably would didn't know or wouldn't know whether or not we'd see yeah, her naked. I didn't know who she was. When you I was know, kid. you know, you're gonna get your boobs where you can take them, and clearly, just to throw a gratuitous topless shot right off the bat, just to be like, hey, here's some boobs. Um, you know, we'll get some a little later in a dressing room, but you know, we'll cross that bridge oh, when we I get there. about that. Yeah. There were lots of boobs there. Um, well, I would go lots, but anyway. Um, so the scene, the opening scene where Tango faces an oncoming truck with nothing but a small revolver was taken from the Jackie Chan film police story from 1985. And as a response, when Jackie Chan made uh, his third installment of the police story films, which was called Super Cop and came out in 1992, uh, he referenced the makeshift zipline prison escape moment in his film as a little as a little payback homage to the guys, which I thought was kind of amusing. Yeah, pretty funny. Uh, and uh, and so and here this was something I thought was really funny. And, and one of the things, like James says, it sets it so firmly in the 80s. Um, to the point where they make a situational joke that in and of itself is only funny if you know Sylvester Stallone's life in intimate oh. detail, yep. which is when when Stallone finally escapes and lands and Cash turns to him and says, what'd you stop for a coffee in a Danish? And he says, I hate Danish because he had just gotten through with his divorce from Bridget Nielsen. Correct. And. Speaking wow. of Beverly Hills Cop too. Speaking of Beverly Hills Cop too, and so yeah. another another actually interesting couple of points I found out. So so Mel Gibson owes a couple of his 
larger, more well-known roles in 80s, 90s filmmaking to Kurt Russell. So Kurt Russell was originally offered the role of Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon, and he turned it down, which is why they went to Mel Gibson. Wow. And Imagine Lethal Weapon without Mel Gibson. And Kurt Russell was originally set to star in Bird on a Wire with Goldie Hawn. With his wife. Yeah. And he ended up dropping out at the last minute. And he's the one who told them, you should talk to Mel Gibson. He was really good in Tequila Sunrise with me. And that's the reason they went to go to Mel Gibson for that. Pretty wow. interesting. That is yeah. cool. Can imagine a, a Lethal Weapon awesome. series with Kurt Russell? He never would have done five films. There's no way. No. Yeah. You it's never would have like gotten five Lethal Weapon films out of him. Well, four. Four, With sorry. a fifth yes. one, yes. perhaps. Yes. On, okay. on the horizon. As long as uh, uh, what's his face lives long enough. Who, Danny Glover? Jet Li. No, uh, uh, Donner is ninety-five. No, he's ninety-one. I thought. Uh, okay, he's in his nineties. He's oh, in his nineties. There's right. a nine in his, in his yeah, number. Exactly. Right there. Good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. Listen, it is what it is. It's it's just dumb fun. It's Bigfoot. Did you mention Bigfoot? Literally the first monster yes. truck. Bigfoot. A, re- a repainted Bigfoot is in the that's, film. That's, that's correct. The Bigfoot at the end of the movie. Yeah. Monster truck. That's the actual Bigfoot. That's how 80s the shit is. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they were like, get me Bigfoot. And they're like, okay, we'll get you a monster truck. He's like, no, 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 no. Get me Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Um, and then paint it because we want to drive Bigfoot around this fucking quarry. Yeah. But we don't want to actually pay to have the Bigfoot name on it. So correct. So we're going to throw some skin on it, and then uh, you can paint it back Bigfooty. Why is there a monster truck in the quarry? Because it's a quarry. Why not? Because fuck you. Because they're driving driving a miniature monster truck, and, you know, they they can't get away with just earth movers. We didn't even talk about the cool late 80s super technical minigun truck. No. That had the the one guy talking on it. Yeah, the bulletproof. The tank uh, with the the minigun on it. Yeah, no, we didn't, and that's okay. Let's have a um, here. It's we... just like the James Bond movies. Everyone will love it. <laughs> What's great is that the only thing we've seen that man do until that point is explode a dog head. Yep, yep. Explode in what? A dog head. Remember the dog head? He's like, we're making this for... Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it right. explodes, and then he's like, but I made oh, this truck. It blew up. And what? everyone's like, are we supposed to think this is going to work? Michael J. Pollard. <laughs> Fuck that guy and that character. Wow. Uh, he's actually oh, no. in, wow. Fuck him. He's right, actually was, in a oh. uh, a little known but uh, rather enjoyable film uh, called Little Foss and Big Halsey. Uh, no, with uh, I believe Clint Eastwood, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. He was Bug Bailey in uh, in uh, Dick Tracy. <laughs> That's true. yeah, yeah. Let's let's go down that road. That guy. Oh, look, if I were being obscure. <laughs> I don't know how obscure Dick Tracy is. That's pretty up. Uh, that's pretty on point. His, his yeah. Bug Bailey is pretty damn obscure. Well, <laughs> most of his career has been pretty obscure. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. You know, on the, for for Michael J. Pollard. What's the guy with the big jaw in Dick Tracy? No, no he was not. What a waste! Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's a missed opportunity. Be like top of the list. Like we need weird looking dudes for Dick Tracy. <laughs> well, he could just saw guy from that shitty movie Tango and Cash. Nah, we're not going to use him. He could have been. He could have been Jawbone Willie. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, just as a just as a quick point of reference, Latham, I I looked up uh, Stallone as a writer. Uh, he wrote all of the Rocky films, all of the 
Including Creed. All of the, including the Creed, both Creeds. He wrote all of the Rambo films after the first one. Uh, I'm sorry, after First Blood. Uh, he wrote Cobra, Over the Top, Cliffhanger, Driven, That's so and Cliffhanger let's not, and let's not, bad, not talk about his, his brilliant 90s throwback trilogy, The Expendables. Yeah, listen, if any guests ever request those movies, we're going to have a problem. Okay. I would like to family request The Expendables. Problem. Okay. I, I want, they're going to have to, you're going to have to clear that through me. I would like right. to fly. They are goddamn fun, man. Request. Holy shit, are those movies <laughs> fun. Uh, James, James will be on in three weeks with the Expendables and as his guilty pleasure, Expendables 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Expendables 2 and 3. You gotta that's watch right. That's right. They, 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 it's a story. Yeah. It's a whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just builds over time, right? <laughs> Fuck. They should remake it as like a, a gay buddy cop movie where they're actually into each other. And make the same jokes, but they're actually flirting. That, that's brilliant. That's, that's there has never been a gay buddy cop movie. That's a brilliant. But where they're movie. into each other, not like you know what I mean. Like I don't know. Well, I'm the kiss, curious. kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, was kiss, bang, close. bang. Yeah. God, that's Dr. a good man. I'm sucking. stealing that. Sorry, James. That's no, okay. <laughs> I'll give you a credit though for the thank, thank you. Yeah. Let me see how yeah, it turns story out. By, story by. Yeah. I'd throw you a bone. Here you go. Bad, J- <laughs> bad gay jokes. <laughs> yeah. Bad gay jokes. Bad. Well, thank goodness this is over. I mean. <laughs> I know. It, it, normally, normally we would go right into the martini here, but as the as as fate would have it, I I, I was able to find a a few posters worth looking at. So looks like we're going to do with anything. Looks like we're going down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's it's a series of tubes. Oh fuck me. <laughs> is that a proposal? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a good gay joke. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite. Yeah, this is one of my favorite parts is when we have a really bad movie. I hope we have a lot of posters for it to kind of redeem the fact that maybe the posters are better for the movie. But you only found two for Tango and Cat. And one of them is the official poster. And one of them is the official poster. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember seeing this. uh, Oh, yeah. September and saying, wow, I can't wait to see that. I I I don't disagree with you. Oh, I, Harold Baltimore. Like, we didn't talk about that. It's obvious he did the score for this as soon yes, as you start hearing yes. it. You're like, well, however, however, be, gonna walk out however, here. because they were so busy editing, recutting, reshooting, and doing so much cobbled together work at the end that he could create no music for the whole last reel of the film. Because he ne- he couldn't even get the he couldn't even get finished footage to look at, so somebody else ended up dropping in stock music over that ending part because Faltermeyer couldn't write new a new score for the whole last reel of the film. So how come there wasn't a sequel? <laughs> with with yeah. all the all the goodwill that this film generated, why wasn't there a sequel? Oh, this thing was so hated when it came out. <laughs> I think this might be the only time I've seen it not on TBS. 
By the way, those were uh, Stallone's real glasses, by the way. Yeah. Because normally he wears contact lenses, but those were his really? actual glasses. Yeah, they weren't even like a, a prop. They couldn't afford contacts on the set. <laughs> but 20 million over budget on this thing. Are you kidding me? I think they could afford some contacts. 20 million they... over budget to make that movie. In the yeah. in 89. 20 million in 89. In 89. Yeah, yeah right? That's a, in a that's movie different. where Robert's, excuse me, where Jack Palance is your main villain. That's, mm-hmm. that's he crazy. did make a sequel to this movie. No, it didn't. took place in England. It was called Bangers and Mash. Oh, wow, man. Wow, dude, you said that out loud. This is why we can't have nice things. So uh, so next is the uh, the only other real poster I found uh, by Robert by, by Robert Ekblom. Oh, God. It's got the rats, dude. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, you know what? That was the theme of tonight, by the way. The That's rats. R- rats. I mean, this could be for the departed. <laughs> I think we need to make that. We need to get a print of this poster, Steve, and you, me, and Hassan need to sign it. Yep. <laughs> and I'll put it on this wall right and behind. Then frame it. Behind yeah. It. Right here, I'll put it. Is it me or does Terry Hatcher look a little more like Joanne Wally? Who cares? She oh does look God. like Terry Hatcher from a little further away, though. When you pull back, <laughs> it does look like her. And Robert Zadar is getting electrocuted. Robert Zadar is getting electrocuted. Are those Jack Palance's eyes? I guess He's hovering yes. above him. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! That's them going down the electrical line. Look at that. Yep. Yeah. There, yeah. There they go. I and mean, Brian the James is... and, and Brian James with the uh, the grenade, the, the grenade standing in as a ball gag, and the truck. And Look how more, perfect. More, by, hey, 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 is... more gay stuff. Where? Where's the gay stuff? No. Go more. Listen. The the the. The, the grenade strapped in his mouth like a ball gag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. oh, Good call. I didn't even pick up on that. And they couldn't get a, they couldn't get James Hong or Mark Alemo likenesses for these two henchmen on the, these two generic he, henchmen he must, on he, the side. He, he must have been out of time. <laughs> yeah. Now, when they slide down the electrical thing, is that really true that you can touch it in two different parts? Aren't you creating a circuit there? He's not creating two different parts. They're only touching it where the strap where he's hanging on it. Yeah, no, but they, they, they grab onto on it, it with their hands first. Yeah. And they, they grab, that's not, a circuit. Aren't you creating a circuit? That no, you you're not you're not creating a circuit yeah, because not you're not you're not connected to anything. You're still yeah, only it's, it's still only the source. The it doesn't matter. Has nowhere it to doesn't go. matter how many times you touch it, you are still the so the, the only circling through your arms. No, 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 no. 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 Oh, yeah. nowhere if to go. you knew Maybe science, you'd know this was a great movie. Yeah. Hello, electricity. Hey, it's right there. It's right there in a movie. Don't you know anything about electricity? Also, also, it it's very it's feasible that that wire that they grabbed onto wasn't a live wire because there was there were two wires adjacent to it that were sparkling, and that wire had not been sparkling. So. Wow, that's that's not very. They were good sparking. There were yeah. sparks coming out of them. You guys, I just want to, I just want to applaud the four of us for putting more thought into this movie than anyone else <laughs> since 1989. What else could we do, man? We, we had no possibly joke. ever. The conversation <laughs> had tonight about Tango and Cash is the deepest conversation ever had about Tango and if Cash. If anyone creates their own podcast about Tango and Cash, I mean, they're. I am so proud to be a part of this. this. <laughs> and slap it down and pay us money because there's no one, no one's going to have a better conversation about that. I'm changing my resume to had a long conversation about Tango and Cash. 
It'll get you in a lot of doors, man. It's, it's, That's right. <laughs> Guarantee I'm going to get interviews back. I fucking love that movie. Like, yeah, man, me too. Let's do it. Let's make Tango and Cash too. So, it hasn't happened no, yet. I would absolutely, by the way, I would absolutely write, write that movie. I would 100% be down to write Tango. And only that movie. And never write anything ever again. <laughs> I, would, I would be happy to do that. It would erase your soul. That's for sure. You wouldn't be able to write anything ever again. Oh, boy. That's not saying much for James as a writer. <laughs> oh, no. It's saying he shouldn't attempt it. He's, his other stuff will be successful. Just don't, don't attempt a sequel here. Don't it's blacken cool. your soul by <laughs> dipping your toes into the waters that are tango and cash. Do you think their lack of chemistry is why James Gunn didn't give them a scene together in Guardians 2? <laughs> no, I just don't think there was any time to put those two characters together ever. I hope I hope it is. I hope James Gunn was like, I want these two and I don't want them in the same room. <laughs> oh, no. If anything, I would say he would have probably tried to figure out yeah. a way to get them in the same room. And yeah. just and after because you know, are you kidding me? How could you not at this point not do a Tango and Cash joke in a Marvel film? That's the sequel at that level. Come on. I'm into it. Kurt Russell um, still looks good, though. Way better than Stallone does now. <laughs> same like, haircut. You, same haircut. Yeah, same haircut. He's got a he's got a couple of lines, but that's about it. You that's know. Right. Whereas you look at Stallone, it looks so, like he's a couple of surgeries shy of. Uh... When they de-aged him for that movie, I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> right. What's what's the fucking point? Yeah, exactly what you're trying thing. to tell me. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Russell now with like a 20 year old girl would be fine. It's fine. Just yeah, put him in there. Like, no one's gonna true. think it's weird. I mean, like that's Kurt in Russell. Fact, in fact, well, you with, when you see him with Goldie, he's here like, who's that? Who's that guy with the old woman? Yes. Great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That's fucking great. Oh, I hope he never hears this. Um. <laughs> oh Jesus. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely, James. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, so I like. It's uh, fun. No, it's yeah. more than a pleasure. This is one of this is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. You say Honestly. that every time, don't you? No, very I say nearly. Very yeah. nearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this was the best experience well, I've honestly, had since this, the last great experience. This, I had. this was a lot of fun tonight. Yeah, now it was I'm good. Happy you picked Tango and Cash. Well, hey. you should be. It's a great movie. I'm glad you remembered. <laughs> I did. I just uh-huh. wrote an essay on it while we were doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the essay is two words. It sucked. It's two he's words. Gonna, he's going to post it as a sidebar to his yeah. uh, his bio blog on Facebook. Yeah. He's going to get an award for the shortest essay. That's the shortest, most substantive, most substantive essay. Ever I hope tomorrow is the day they announce the sequel. That'll be great. <laughs> that would they be. They should hysterical. let Tarantino direct the se- sequel. They could call it Django and Hash. Okay. That's it. Oh. I'm out. That's it. I'm done. Peace. Later, guys. Alienated our guest. Thank you. Bye, James. He's out of here. Fucking great. He's done. You chased our guest away. You're a terrible person. He's going to tell Steve, Steve, your friend's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's what he's going to tell. Awesome Awesome in a bad way. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Let's go. Thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Or you can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, you can follow us. (laughs) Do as we say. 
also you can follow us on all major social media accounts at sentimental pod person godwin latham conger the third and Nia Number from Return of James, the Jedi, Muteoke. James Ninnis and myself, we say thank you so much for listening, as always. And in the words of our friend and undercover brother, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> that, that should be an uproarious edit for you. That's going to be a lot of fun to edit that yeah. one. Man. He'll be cursing yeah. us. That, when he sits down to edit that, he'll be cursing our names.